Welcome, foolish mortals. We are the grim, grinning ghosts of the Disenfranchised Podcast, that podcast all about those franchises of one, those films that fancy themselves full-fledged franchises before falling flat on their face after the first film. I am your host, Stephen Foxworthy, and joining me, as always, it's my co-host, Mr. Brett Wright. Brett, how are you? Thank you for coming out to socialize. Hello, Stephen. Is this podcast actually stretching? I think it might be just your imagination. Uh, well, I mean, we we do get te- we do tend to get pretty long winded, and I have a feeling there's going to be some lore dumps in this episode, so that we might be stretching today. Oh, so God! Both lore. our runtime and our audience's patience. Oh, the lore! <laughs> Fucking the lore! I'll get into it later. Well, that's why we had to have you for this one, man. We we had to make sure we could record when you would be on because. Me and this other guy, we don't know the lore. And hey, who is this other guy? Uh, why, it's our other co-host, Tucker. Hey, Tucker. Hi, it's me, Tucker. How's everyone doing today? Uh, we're, we are, we're doing well. How about yourself, sir? Feeling good, feeling great. Feeling great, feeling good. How are you, Brett? I am also tired. Nice. Yeah. wonder what that's like. <laughs> well, when you're as heavy, heavily caffeinated as you seem to be right now, I don't think it's as much of an issue. <laughs> no, that's, Whereas, that's just I think pure and piss both, and vinegar. That's not caffeine. That's just you're under caffeine, caffeinated. So I'm working your, on it. I'm working on it. This is just your boy in his natural state. Actually, I I did have my V8 energy a couple hours ago, but caffeine doesn't really. I don't know. I'm just so naturally hyper that it doesn't really matter. Yeah, what's that like? That's 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 the interesting thing. That's what I want to know. It's exhausting without being exhausting. Okay. Sounds fun. It's mentally taxing, but physically uh, to, be... to be what, Brett? To be what? To be thin and healthy. That's what I was gonna say. <laughs> well I don't know if either of those things really describe me these days, but um I'm at least uh I'm upright and breathing. Hey, that that counts for something. Which is more than we can say for all the ghosts in this movie. <laughs> Speaking of, of what a what a segue. Um yes, we it, are guys, here to I talk. <laughs> we are here as we always are to talk about a movie that did not get a sequel that was clearly angling for one. Uh and um Brett, what what are we covering today and why? Um in honor of the release of the new haunted mansion movie we're gonna cover the old haunted mansion movie from 2003 from 2003 the rob minkoff directed uh, the haunted mansion starring eddie murphy terrence stamp nathaniel parker marcia thomason jennifer tilly wallace sean uh dina spivey uh Ari davis mark john jeffries uh deep roy jeremy howard Corey burton Rachel Harris, and the Dapper Dans. What a cast, gentlemen. What a what a picture? Uh, I mean, most of the cast, well, the ghost half of the cast, great. Mm. Other half of the cast, Absolutely. maybe not so much. The living Agreed. side of the cast, maybe not so great. 
Mm. I thought that Wallace Shawn was laying it on a little too thick, but I was still impressed by his performance. But yeah, Wallace Shawn overdoing something? Really? What? I know, right? I know. That's pretty normal. Still, I I agree with you, Brett. Like the the family, I don't give a shit about any of them. I'm pretty sure Eddie Murphy like had his stunt double call in. Like that's his performance in this movie. Like he's barely there. And I I love some good Eddie Murphy. I actively hated Eddie Murphy's character. Let's so let's let's do the Eddie Murphy of it because um, this is 2003 Eddie Murphy. So this is Eddie Murphy on his second decline, um, beginning I would say his second decline. He is still a pretty huge star. He is a, a huge star in the 80s and then starts a decline probably shortly after coming to america he starts to dip down a little bit he directs the film harlem nights and then tries to recover with a sequel to 48 hours called another 48 hours which is great just saying i like that movie i the first one i the first one was hard for me to watch i'm not gonna lie the casual racism of the first 48 hours was rough um Uh, i will say that's just that's just how it was back then i'm not defending it but it's just like the la confidential book man that's that's what it be like Doesn't back mean then. I have to like it. Um, Agreed. I completely understand that. After that, he does Boomerang, The Distinguished Gentleman, Beverly Hills Cop 3, the worst of that series by a long shot, and the Wes Craven film Vampire in Brooklyn before kind of rebounding with The Nutty Professor in 96. After that, he's on a pretty good upswing. 98, he's got Mulan and Dr. Doolittle. Uh, as well as the kind of forgotten film Holy Man, uh, which is start of the start of kind of like wait is is Eddie okay? Uh, uh, here's he the thing does... though, I think Holy Man oh, is uh, like the next three films I think that he does I think are kind of uh very underrated, kind of very underrated. Yeah, um, Life I don't Holy know. Man Life and Bowfinger I think he gives wonderful performances in all three of those movies and it's a shame that he didn't keep doing stuff like that i do love Sorry him to interrupt and i just love those no. movies, all three of those and they're no, like in a little i do love i do love bowfinger i have not seen life i i know about life and i've heard that life is actually a lot darker than a lot of people realized at the time which is part of why it didn't do very well yep. um but then we we so we have this kind of like this middling received things, and then we do he he kind of returns to the well. He does Nutty Professor two and Doctor Doolittle two, going back to his previous hits. But then in between those two, there's a little voice role that he did, probably recorded many years before, for a little film called Shrek, which kind of becomes the juice in his veins for a while. He creates and voices the character uh the main character on the pjs and then it's pretty sharp decline it's showtime it's the adventures of pluto nash and it's i spy all in 2002 all three of those uh 2003 gives us daddy daycare and this film the haunted mansion and after this he pretty much sticks to shrek movies with the occasional dip back into live action, he does get an Oscar nomination for Dream Girls, which he is insanely good in. Yes, and then, well but then you've also got Norbit and Meet Dave, 
and Imagine That, which between those three, they pretty much kind of kill off most of his live action career for the foreseeable future until honestly, he kind of makes a turnaround in Dolomite is my name just a few years ago. Uh, and people see that and they're like, Oh, Eddie Murphy's back. Phenomenal. Um, I remember in the 40th SNL anniversary thing that they did it being a very big deal that he was coming back to that, or it was the 50th. Like there was a very big deal. Made about the fact he was going to be there for that. Uh, and then, he didn't want to do the thing that they wrote for him. So he ended up just coming out and like Chris Rock talks about how great he was. And then he came out and went, Hey, everyone like the show. Well, we're, let's get back to the show. That was pretty much, that was pretty much it. Can I, like, can I go a little further into that? Please. please. Um, so the thing that they wanted him to do was make a brief cameo as Bill Cosby, making a joke about drugging a woman's drink. In the celebrity Jeopardy segment, the role, the, part eventually went to Keenan Thompson. Yeah, yeah. It was uh one of the like the video video clues or whatever where a celebrity comes and yeah. He didn't want right. to do that, but he was he had such a good time there anyway. He had kind of been afraid to go back because the way things ended there. Um mm -hmm. but because of the 40th anniversary uh episode or special, that's the only reason we got him back three seasons mm -hmm. ago hosting for the right. first time right um and it was well, amazing for the first time since so he was on the show because as chris well, yeah, rock says he used his, to hmm? chris or eddie hosted the show while he was on the show which was unheard of yeah still even now of. nobody does yeah. that he's the only person who's ever done that yeah so yeah so for the first time since he was actually on the show and he revisits a lot of his old characters mr robinson gumby like which is exactly what you want. That's that's what even you want Velvet to Velvet Jones comes back. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So yeah, it's it, it actually is a pretty good episode. But yeah, Eddie Murphy is in his decline here, and I think it's pretty obvious that this is Eddie in decline because uh, this is not a strong project, and the fact that this comes out the same year as Pirates of the Caribbean: The Curse of the Black Pearl is what really gets me. Because this movie uh, looks like it probably came out either a few years earlier or was made for TV. Like, this does not feel like a 2003 movie. It feels like a 98 movie. It feels a lot like the Tower of Terror TV special. Like, it's just like, mm -hmm. it's, you know, it, it it doesn't, it doesn't have any substance. Right. Like, it's, I, I didn't care about anything that was happening. Mm -hmm. I, like, it's just like it felt very much like just popcorn film. Like just, I don't got to care. Just going to eat my popcorn and watch this and just maybe chuckle a couple times. I don't know. I didn't, but maybe somebody did. <laughs> just get lost in the production design. That's, that's what I did. Cause this movie looks great. Like the, the sets and everything just, I think look phenomenal. Yeah. Which is, well, it makes it even more disappointing. This is another one of those adaptations where, like, there was so much potential and they squandered it, and it just makes me sad. So let's let's actually, while we're while we're kind of in this vein, let's talk about our histories with the the haunted mansion proper. Um, Brett, I'll go ahead and let you go first because I know you probably have 
I, I, I know some of your history with this properties. And so I would like to hear you talk about your, your fascination with the haunted mansion for a little bit. Yeah. Cause it is definitely a fascination. So like I, I am the resident haunted mansion expert and that's why I'm on here. Um, well, you're also on here cause you're a co-host of the show. Well, yeah, we, but I mean like why you specifically like, we finagled a recording day so that we could find a way to, to get, make sure your sure. schedule worked. Right. Yes. Cause I, I don't know if you, you listeners out there have noticed I haven't been on a whole lot lately. Um, Life schedule, finds a way. <laughs> schedules are hard, especially when you work nights now. Um, mm. But anyway, so yeah, but I will preface everything I say with this caveat and please don't come for me. Haunted mansion lovers. I've never actually ridden the ride. <gasps> Now, I'm know, clutching my pearls. I'm sure a lot of Automation fans probably just did. Um, who, <laughs> who the fuck is this guy to talk to be an expert when he hasn't even ridden the ride? Um, not in person, no. Um, but mm. I've watched plenty of videos of a ride through. Probably counts. Um, <laughs> counts and <right>? I, <laughs> it counts enough. Um, I don't know. I just never look like, you know, we had money when I was a kid to like travel to like Ohio, the next state over and go to Kings Island, Kings Island, we, like a mofo. Absolutely. We certainly never had enough money to go down to Disney. Fuck mm-hmm. no. Um, so I was always jealous of those kids. So I, I haven't gotten to ride the rides I've always wanted to like tower of terror, like the haunted mansion, um, which I mean, I, I apparently really need to get on, Writing uh, Tower of Terror because they got rid of the one in California. Yeah, the only one a matter of time before the one in Florida goes too. The days so. are numbered, I'm sure. Now that Galaxy's Edge has moved down to Orlando, it's only a matter of time before Avengers Tower clears out the uh, clears out the Tower of Terror. Yeah, so I need to get down there sooner rather than later. Hopefully, for the next couple of years. I mean, it's they didn't turn that one into a Guardians of the Galaxy in Florida. Not yet. Not yet. Oh. I'm sure they will. I'm I'm positive yeah, it's coming. It's only a matter of time. Once Avengers Campus gets moved down there, it yeah. probably probably will. Yeah. Um Word. but uh but anyway, I I would say that there was a haunted mansion ripoff ride at Kings Island called Phantom Theater. Phantom Theater? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do remember the Phantom Theater, yeah. That's that's um, the one you got on after the water park to dry off because it had the big furnace at the end. Yeah, that, that took over the Smurf ride that was there when I was a kid, which was, was kind also of like where, an, it's a small world, but with Smurfs. Right. It was also where you would take the the gals you met there to straight up hold their hands and like make out with them and stuff. Yeah, also yeah. true. Not that yeah. I ever did any of that, but yeah, yeah no, we called them yeah, we called them Kings Island girlfriends. You only had them I was for that never one attractive. Day. I was never attractive <laughs> enough for that, so yeah, that, I never did any of that. Oh man. Yeah, I was I was too concerned with like riding rides and having a good time than like you know, macking on the ladies. Hey, that's what you do in line, ding dong. It doesn't have it doesn't matter what you're focused on. Like that's what you do in line. Oh, man. I'm sorry, I'm not the uh, you know uh, uh, words failing me. I can't even. It's early. Drink you're some not, coffee. Brad. It's, it's too early. Okay. Yeah, uh, 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 it's okay. I'll just pretend you said something really clever and that I'm really excited. Thank you. Oh, damn it, Brett. You got me. Oh, man. Oh. So you don't have a comeback for that now, do you? You don't have a comeback. Casanova. Oh. Fucking Casanova was the name I was looking for. I prefer Don Juan. Bossa Nova? Chevy Nova? Excellent. None of the above. Anyway, so... 
Phantom Theater being a Haunted Mansion ripoff ride, it, you, you know, it, when I would later see the Haunted Mansion and see that it was much better production quality and mm. a lot more um, better designed, sort of like the, my love for Haunted Mansion and Phantom Theater nostalgia sort of mixed with one another. Mm. Um, and so I just sort of became obsessed with Haunted Mansion. Um that's pretty much it really um i know most of the lore is disconnected and confusing and not consistent as it is i was gonna say you 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 are an admitted lore fiend you do love you some lore so i know that that has probably played a big role in your love for this particular property because there is a lot of lore here it's 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 a love and hate relationship um in that sense because i mean a lot of it is fan created because all mm-hmm. we like because disney never really came out and like released any official stuff um you know we have comic books and novels and like design documents and we've got a couple movies um if we're if we're counting muppets haunted mansion we have a couple movies the new one makes three right um and so it's all just kind of disjointed and doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, in the comics, they uh, took the what every other fran- big franchise does nowadays. They took the multiverse route mm-hmm. um, so that all of it is canon and none of it is canon at the same time. Right. Um, and also there's, you know, different different mansions across the world. Right. Um, which I, which is my I, my take on how you sequelize this movie because and i think if they had done well they absolutely would have sequelized it again this comes out the same year as pirates like you you just move to a different mansion right and i mean most of them like the one the one in france is a much different the one in japan is a much different all the characters have different names but mm-hmm. the story is the same um which i, I mean i I'll, I'll get into all the lore later. Um, the one in China, I always forget which one isn't a haunted mansion. It's the magic, the, the mystic mansion. I was going to say probably um, China because ghosts like horror movies don't are the kind of the one thing that doesn't take advantage of the Chinese box office because of their relationship with the dead. That would be it. ghosts. Ghosts are outlawed in China. They're Correct. against the law. Yeah. So which means that if you die in China, you die in real life. Yeah. Yeah, but the heard. police will come get you if you come back as a ghost. Correct. Who are you going to um, call? Chinese police. There's a station like in San Francisco, so they're real close. Good to know. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, so that that mansion is completely completely different. Um, there are no ghosts. It feels mm-hmm. more like an Indiana Jones ride. Right. Um, that tracks. Which deals with the other. I can never like the Adventurers Guild or something like that that exists in the background lore of Disney. Like that's another thing. There's a mm-hmm. whole Adventurers Guild that ties into a bunch of different rides. Jungle Cruise, I think, is part of it. Yeah, that that sort of thing. So that's a whole other Disney lore, background lore that they never really acknowledge, but it's there. Mm-hmm. Disney's weird like that. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, you know. It is what it is. I don't know if they would have done that sequel-wise, but it's an idea. But anyway, that's my history, I think. 
I think that's everything. All right. Probably. Sorry, I've never actually ridden the ride, everybody. I, I, I you know what? I have I know either. a lot I've about it. I've actually been to Disney and I've never ridden the ride because when I visited, I was a, a very young child. And uh, as I've noted many times in this podcast, a coward. So if my parents had wanted to take me on that ride, and I'm not sure that they would have, uh, I would not have gone on it. Uh, it was not until my well, late teens that even attempted Phantom Theater at Kings Island. So, Oh, uh, yeah. So fun story. I mean, the first time I ever rode Phantom Theater, I was clinging to my dad's arm like I was going to die. Mm-hmm. So... There was a time. There was a time. Even even young Brett was was a was a fear to the ghosties. Yeah, but I do I do um, acknowledge the Phantom Theater is is one of the original things that like one of those formative uh, what everybody nowadays calls canon events. Thanks across <laughs> the Spider Verse, um, or that like made me love horror. So okay, right on. Uh, and Tucker, what is what is your history with the Haunted Mansion? Hi, hello there. It's me, Tucker. Here's my history with the Haunted Mansion. Uh, when I when I was a young boy, uh, probably about 12 years old or so, we went to the Disney Worlds, um, and it was pretty rad, and I rode the Haunted Mansion, and it was pretty rad. Um, uh, but I don't, I, I don't, I'm pretty indifferent about the whole thing. I think it's cool. Uh, I've always thought it, I, I enjoyed the ride when I wrote it, and I think it's cool that it exists, and I'm glad that it has a thriving fandom. I just do not really count myself as part of that group. That's not to say that I'm against it or that I hate it. I just don't really care either way, um, which I think was probably a really good way to go into this film. Uh, it was fun to watch all the moments that you could tell were like meant to be like big things for people who are fans of the ride, and I'm like, that's a big thing, and I... I, I don't have any context for it, but I'm glad it's here. And the people who like this, they're seeing this and they think it's rad. It's yeah. so obvious when they do that in the movie because yeah. it, it's, things will seem so out of place yet so spotlighted, spotlit, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, there's yeah. there's uh, definitely like a a specificity that doesn't exist within like – and I, I feel like Pirates of the Caribbean is going to be a really good touch point comparison for us this episode because it comes out the same year – and it succeeds where the Haunted Mansion fails. Like, it actually does end up getting the sequels and the franchise built out of it. Um, but also, Gore Verbinski is a much better filmmaker than Rob Minkoff, who's the director of this film. Um, and so you get... Um, Gore Verbinski has, like, a sense of subtlety. Like, all the references to Pirates of the Caribbean are, like... They're rarely front-loaded. Most of them are kind of existing in the background, which I think is the right way to do it because it feels like this movie at times will go out of its way to try to like shoehorn in shoehorn in a thing just because it's iconography from the ride, which I think is the mistake. Yeah. I, I even have a note because I, I had notes for this movie because of course I did. Oh um, yeah. 90% of this movie could not be called the Haunted Mansion and nothing would change. The other 10% are nothing but Leo pointing me. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Like that's what this it's is. It's like they wrote out all the things they wanted to reference in the script, and like, okay, now let's build a story around all these references. And then they put most of them in like just the scene where they're driving through the cemetery in the coach. Yeah, most of them are. Most yeah. most of all of that is just shoehorned into that one scene. Now, obviously, there are a few things here and there outside, but that that is your most ghost dense scene. Just that. Well, one pretty much scene. that entire sequence from like from the point. Mm-hmm. 
from the point he says there's always my way, which I'll die, that really pissed me off. Um, <laughs> to the end of the like when they get to the mausoleum, that entire thing is just one big reference, right? And it's references to things that aren't even in the graveyard, like the the two guys dueling are in the ballroom. Mm. Like, so I don't know why they put them in the graveyard, but it, it's because they just they had to shove them in there somewhere. Right. Exactly. And, and they're they, coming they was out on the of a list painting. of things they had to include. Yeah. Yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. It's like it was like the the two bits of fan service that I hated in the Flash were the two callback Michael Keaton lines, and it felt like that. This that part of this movie felt like that because in the Flash, like I really enjoyed it. But you could tell somebody was like, all right, Michael Keaton needs to say this and this. We don't care where you put it. It just has to be in there. Yeah. And you can tell that nobody wanted to put it in there. They were just like, I guess it fits here. And that's why they put your boys out in the graveyard because they're like, I don't what do we do with this? We don't have anything written for this. So I guess we'll just throw them here. I guess this is good. They're there, right? Yay. Yeah. Because that that in the scene where he's walking down the the picture hallway, the portrait hallway with the bus that follows Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. That's just one big reference. I didn't mind that one because it is in the background. It's creepy setting. It right. sort of fit that part of the movie, but and it's not so lampshaded that we're like, oh, I mean, you you can tell, oh, this is something that is is part of the ride that people would recognize. But it's not. They don't go out of their way to draw attention to it. It's just it's part of the scene, and it works. Yeah. Stephen, what's your history with the ride, though? I oh, wasn't I... done, though. Oh, you weren't? No, you guys started talking, and like I never got back to what I was saying. You went on the ride and liked it, and you're indifferent to the whole uh, thing. What more is there to say? Me, right. Uh, I wanted to talk for a minute about Phantom Theater. I want to put my two cents in about that, my friend. Oh, all right. Well, my bad. My bad. Uh, Phantom Theater is the shit. I was very, very disappointed when they removed it. But something that's really great about King's Island is that it's it's kind of fan service for people who have been going to that theme park their entire lives. It King's is. Island, all throughout that park, has references to shit that, like, unless you were there 20 years ago, you have no idea what it is. Mm-hmm. And they have props from Phantom Theater all over that park, including within the new ride that's in that building. There are props from the original Phantom Theater. Just like the gravestone for Son of Beast, just like Top Gun being turned into the bat. Like mm-hmm. everything is a little little reference to people who have been going to the park all their lives. And that's something I really like about that park. Uh, something I want to say that uh, has to do with the Haunted Mansion and Phantom Theater. I'm a huge theme park guy, but I much prefer the, the ones that are not Disney or Universal. I prefer like just regular old theme parks. And uh, I feel like I was spoiled as a child because Kings Island is, I think, the biggest and the best and the best ran park that is not owned by Disney or Universal in the United States. Cedar Point would like a word. Yeah, uh, Cedar Point is close, but they did not get that cigar. They're still chasing it. Kings Island also, still wins. Also, Holiday World and Splash and Safari would also like a word. I'm sorry. Holiday World and Splash and Safari is on a different tier, so you can't really compare the two. Fair. Kings Island's up in the S tier. Holiday World, no matter how good it is, right around B, just because mm. of the size and location. Yeah. Santa Claus, Indiana. 
real ones no right next to rudolph lake mm-hmm. and i'm uh and if i'm going if i'm taking a road trip to cincinnati to go to a theme park i'm just gonna go to king's island right mm-hmm. so i've never been to cedar point i don't really care to go i, no, I mean cedar if, point if you like is, coasters a, cedar point is your place i can't sit on a coaster anymore so I, same damn it same neither um, of you can be my coaster buddy you guys i need a coaster buddy i the wish i could time. be I love roller coasters. Friends, I guess <laughs> I love roller coasters, and I can't ride them anymore because I'm too large. I was gonna Last say, time, find, find small friends. I have I have the opposite problem, and this really is a problem. I went to last time I went to Kings Island was 2021, and I did two days by myself because fuck everybody else. I want to do what I want to do. Um, the only problem with that is I always have to ride on the front seat of a roller. I refuse to ride anywhere but the front seat of a roller coaster. And that means sometimes I stay in line longer, but that's okay. That's so I get to yeah. see it and experience everything first. Um, and it's open in front of me. Mm-hmm. I don't need somebody barfing in front of me and it's smacking in my face. No, sure. not going to happen. Not to this guy. You'd rather they um, do it right behind you and it go down the back of your neck. Got it. Yeah, yeah. That's better than in my fucking face. Uh, but but uh, the problem with that is when I go... By myself, sometimes I have to ride in the front seat by myself, mm-hmm. which is a problem because I've never weighed more than 150 pounds in my entire life. So sitting in the front seat of a roller coaster by myself, that's not enough weight to keep that car down. So on every roller coaster that I had to ride by myself in the front seat, it's about 30 times rougher than it would be if I had somebody in that front seat with me to balance the weight out and keep the cart where it needs to be. So what I'm saying is about 60% of the roller coasters that I rode at Kings Island in my, on my last trip were just miserable experiences because they were so rough because I, I don't weigh enough to comfortably ride in the front seat by myself. God, talk about a first world problem, right? Well, Tucker, next time you take a trip to Kings Island, let me know because I might have lost okay. enough weight in the past couple months and I might be able to fit on rides again. Oh, so. I'm way into that. Way into it. I do Except have for certain- the racer. The racer is so old that it's Ooh, made for skinny people. It you can't is. be over like you can't be over like one fifty and fit on that ride. So I haven't I ridden do, the racer since I was a wee child. Yeah. I will warn you, Brett, I have a very particular order that I have to ride the roller coasters in. Kings yeah. Island is a very big deal oh to me. God. It's my that's, special place. That's fine. It's my memory palace. So it's it's very special. We'll discuss this more later when it's time sure. to go to Kings Island. And, and Tucker, before the day is over, Tucker will have procured his Kings Island girlfriend. Yay! <laughs> it doesn't work as well as an older person, really, I, because I most can only of the people, imagine. most of the people that are there that are my age are there with their children and spouse. Mm. Yeah. Um, I will. I do want to talk to the nostalgia part a little bit before we move on to Stephen's history, because mm-hmm. one, if you go to Kings Island during Halloween and you go to the Midway, the Midway section with all the carnival games, mm-hmm. um, at least last time I went, which was a few years ago, to be fair. That's the Coney Island section is what that's called. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. They had they, they decorated that section with the old animatronics. Oh, fucking A. So, I've never yeah. been to the Halloween or the Christmas thing there. I've never been to the Christmas one. The Halloween one is good. Um, and the last two years, they brought it back this year, they have a Phantom Theater show. Hmm. Uh, look it up on YouTube. It is great. It has a lot of references to the ride, if you ever wrote it. 
Um, and it's basically just like, you know, the usual theme park show that you see. There's musical numbers. There's dancing. It's goofy as fuck. Yeah, um, sounds like, yeah. But, but it's it's great if you're a fan of Phantom Theater. Um, there's a guy um, that has a big puppet of the legless ghost. Mm-hmm. Um, he plays the, you know, has a big puppet of the legless ghost. Um, that's a main character. It's real good. Check it out. Cool. I did look it up on YouTube, and apparently, not only can you watch the uh, 2023 performance in high quality 4K from one mm. month ago, um, you can also there are several um, high quality POV ride throughs of the original ride. People one put out from uploaded. Kings Island by themselves. Yeah, yeah. uploaded nice. by Kings Island proper. I will have to check those out and nostalgia hole that. Because I, um, I, I will tell you the one uploaded by Kings Island itself has, um, it doesn't, so it, it's a video of the ride, mm-hmm. but the soundtrack is isolated. So that way you can hear all of the sounds you were supposed to hear during the ride and not have to oh, try nice. to discern them through the video. Nice. So it sounds like it's the, they use the actual That's ride perfect. soundtrack. Yeah. They probably just so. synced it up. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really awesome. Well, check that out too. I know. Anyway. I already gave my history for the Haunted Mansion. Went to Disney, uh, did not ride the ride. Um, that, that's oh, it. Is that that's, it? Oh, that's, that's it. Oh, okay. The fullest extent of my history with this ride because I didn't ride it. And I didn't see this movie until last night. Um, I, I think I've probably heard Grim Grinning Ghosts a couple of times. But, like, yeah, I, I don't really have a lot of knowledge or information about this ride. Um, uh, I, I do know that during the Christmas season, if you go to Disney during Christmas, they give it a um, a, a Nightmare Before Christmas skin. Only in California. Only in California. Okay. Yeah, because I, I avoided it for a long time because, you know, if I'm going to go ride the Haunted Mansion for the first time, sure. I want it to be the Haunted Mansion. Right. Um, so I was pissed for the longest time that I could never go during Halloween when I really want to go. Right. But then I had somebody inform me. Uh, yeah, they don't do that in Florida. They only do it in California. Oh, well, there you go. So so I can go to Disney and enjoy Disney Halloween-themed shit and also ride the Automatron. So that's well, the plan, go. eventually, maybe next year. Okay. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. I hope I hope that for you. I, want, I believe in you. I want you to take some remote recording equipment and uh, record your thoughts uh, before and immediately following your writing the Haunted Mansion because we need those... Uh, our patrons need to hear that. I mean, Remote recording equipment, like your cell phone. Yep. Is that okay? <laughs> just making sure you made it sound like he's got like a reel to reel, like a microphone and what, quiet. Just the one earphone, you know. Like, we're, we're, reporting live from Universal Studios. We're not some fly by night organization. <laughs> yeah, we are. Fuck it, we are. Yeah. No, I mean, look, really, honestly, I don't need to record it. It'll just be me crying for like twenty minutes. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> in that case get the video um <laughs> brad just sobbing as he gets off the tears of joy pouring out of my face uh, yeah or as terrence stamp would say tears of joy um god terrence stamp doing a fucking boris karloff impression in this movie i submit that he was the best part of this film uh, it, I mean, it's not like By there's really much shot. competition. Not a whole lot of competition, no. But, but in saying that, I don't want to besmirch his performance because just because everything else sucked in this movie, 
he's the best part because he was amazing. Yeah. Not because doing... he was better than everybody else, because it wouldn't be hard to be better than most of the performances in this movie. He feels like he's the just only performer it. who's actually dialed into what this movie is supposed to be trying to do. Agreed. And I think everyone I else think, just is on a completely different page or on several I, different pages, actually. I thought I thought Nathaniel Parker's performance was pretty good, too. But I think they kind of feed off of each other. So that's just kind of like one little a pod of characters and actors. So those two together, I think, create just one. Just that's the the spotlight of the film. That's the, the tent pole for me of this movie is those two performances and those two characters. Those are the only two characters I gave a shit about. Uh, really they're the only two characters you could say in this movie uh honestly yeah, fleshed out actual characters yes mm-hmm. yeah um so the, there is a particular story to this film and i wonder how close the lore that this movie gives to the haunted mansion is similar to the lore that is actually built into the ride and that the fans have built up over the years so i guess brett what i'm trying to say is explain this to me well, let's do the plot in 61st shall we okay we're going to talk about the story. You might as well do this first, huh? Touche. Touche. Uh, so this is the part of the show where we recount the plot of the film we are discussing. In this case, 2003 is The Haunted Mansion in 60 seconds or less. And in order to determine which of us will be doing that, uh, Brett will roll the D6 of Destiny. He will assign two sides to each of us. And then um, whoever, uh, the, whoever the dice decides will, uh, will recount the plot in 60 seconds or less. Brett... Who's what? And give it a roll. Uh, Steven, you'll be one and two because you never rode the ride. Steven, you'll be th- or Tucker, you'll be three and four because <laughs> you wrote it but don't care. And uh, five and six because I may not have wrote it, but I love it. So here we go. That is a six. Hey, hey. I was hoping it would shake out like this. Yeah. D six agrees. So I will go ahead and put 60 seconds on the timer. Um, Brett, I'll give you the 30 and the 10 second warnings as we often do, at which point it will be time after that. So whenever you begin, um, I will start the clock. Okay. So Eddie Murphy is um, a real estate agent and he's a real asshole. Um, he doesn't really care about his wife. All he cares about is work. Um, but he decides to make it up to his wife by saying, Hey, let's take the kids to the lake. Like we used to, um, but, but then they get a call about needing somebody wanting to sell a big mansion. So they decide to take a detour on the way to the lake. They get trapped by a storm. Um, turns out there's ghosts in this mansion, um, and a nefarious plot to break a curse happens. Um, turns out seconds. Master Gracie's, uh, soon to be bride was, um, what killed herself. Um, so everybody gets separated, um, they have to come back together before he remarries Eddie Murphy's wife, who's actually looks a lot like the bride. Turns out the bride was murdered. Ten not seconds. Suicided. Um, they the butler did it. They kill him, kill twice, and then um, they all go to heaven. The end. And that is time. Uh. Okay, so that is that is the plot of the movie that we watched today. So, Brett, what is the plot of the ride? Well, real quick, I did have a note that, like, it's, um, you know, a lot of movies talk about hell and, like, you know, going to hell and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the rest of it, it seems like most movies just go pass on to the afterlife. I thought it was a real choice to actually say it was heaven in this movie. 
And well, that one guy gets taken to hell, right? Remember the one guy gets yeah. wrapped in fire and taken to hell. He gets you know what? Speaking of hell. that, yeah. this movie looks like somebody was was a big fan of the Frighteners when they wrote this movie. <laughs> <laughs> and like visually, like the ghosts are very similar to the ghosts the, and the Frighteners, Frighteners and the whole hell sequence. Reminds me of Johnny Bartlett getting like chomped up and pulled into hell and stuff. That's true. Like I just I was reminded yeah. of the Frighteners a lot, just like visually, especially with, like the old mansion thing as well. I mean, I know that comes from the ride, but still, I think a lot of this movie, especially visually, owes a lot to the Frighteners, whether it was intentional or not. And also in the fact that this movie is a roadmap of pain. Of pain, yes. Yes, a roadmap of pain that has nothing to do with the ride. There it is. Or any of its lore whatsoever. There it is. Um, except, that there's, except that there's a tragic story about a bride, I guess. Um, so there's there's two main lines of story for the Haunted Mansion. The first one, from its opening till about 2006, I want to say. Yes, 2006. Um, is that um, the uh, one of the daughters of Master Gracie? It's been a while, so bear with me. I don't know it as by heart as I do a lot of other lore. Um, one of the daughters of Master Gracie um, wants to marry uh, essentially the Hatbox Ghost, um, the human form of the Hatbox Ghost. Um on their wedding day, she's in her gown. They're about to get married, but they are mysteriously murdered. Um, she is pushed out the attic window, and Patty has his head cut off and shoved into a hat box. Um, Yay. And that's that sort. And that's the beating heart bride um, who was in the ride up until 2006, um, who didn't really have much of a form. They just called her the beating heart bride because the main focus of her. I don't know what you call it because it's not animatronic. It's the when they project a thing over a figure. I don't know what that's called. I always forget. I um, don't remember either, but I know exactly what you're talking. Yeah, you're they. There's like a a featureless thing, and then they project the image over the top of it. Yes. Yeah. Um, that's what would come later with Constance Hatchaway. Um, but hers was an actual animatronic with like a red beating heart, and she was kind of featureless. So that was that was that was that. Um. And but the but the hatbox ghost only stuck around for the first year because they couldn't really get it to work back then, um, so he disappeared until 2006 when they revamped the mansion and redid the lore, um, which is a lot darker actually, um, surprisingly enough. So this one is about Constance Hatchaway who. Um, was also, I think, a daughter of Master Gracie. I'm not sure. Um, but she was a much more nefarious character. She wanted to marry into money. Um, and once she married into money, she realized, you know what? My husband dies. I get all of his money. And I can do this again. So she kills her first husband and proceeds to do that for the next four or five guys. Um, just cutting them into pieces or hacking their heads off with a, just a hatchet. Um, as one does. So, as one does. 
Um, like Joan so, Cusack and Adam's Family Values. Yep. More about, more about, more more straightforward though, not elaborate ways. Just just a hatchet. Um, the simplest ways are the best. A little cleaner, you know. More about. Um, the lore deviates a little bit there. Um, I personally like the lore that the Hatbox Ghost was one of when she would cut off the heads of her husbands, she would stuff them in hat boxes and the hat box go. That's why there's a stack of hat boxes in the attic next to the bride. Um, and all of their hats are literally hanging on a hat tree. So, you know, there's something else in the boxes. Right. That's, I mean, that's, but again, that's something Disney's never said. Right. That's something that fans made up through context clues. It could absolutely be just a coincidence. But I, I like know. that it, interpretation. It it feels logical, and it feels like something. It feels like how you skirt around an, a legitimate horror while not on a kids' ride. Like how you can actually put something really odd and disconcerting on a kids' ride without overtly saying she decapitated these guys and their heads are in these boxes. Because you can't really say that on a kids' ride. No, no. Which is which is weird considering how the ride starts. Mm-hmm. Um, which I can get into that. There's always my way thing. Um, why I hated it in this movie. Like, they couldn't... So, like, they show Master Gracie hanging himself at the beginning of the movie. Right. But they take Old away... move the... for a PG movie. It mm-hmm. is. Plus Which all is... the decapitations in this movie, and it's still PG? Right. Ridiculous. Like, Heads are flying in this motherfucker. But, like, they, they, they defang that a little bit by taking away the second part of that, which what makes it so dark is in the original ride when he's talking, when you're in the stretching room, and the ghost host, who is Master Gracie or not Master Gracie? Nobody's really sure. They just he just calls himself the ghost host. Um, you know, the you'll see that this room has no doors, no windows. Um, do you think you can find your way out? If you can, of course, there's always my way. And then when you look up, you look up. There's a scream, and you look up, and there's a projection of a body hanging in the rafters. Mm. That's how he got out. Um, gotcha. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> which is like really dark for a Disney ride, but really they're really cool play on words and like, yeah, really like, I like it. It's really cool. So to like separate those two and make it just a throwaway stupid reference that is maybe the one that's the most in your face in the entire movie. Um, upsetting, real upsetting. Um, but yeah, so that's, those are the two, main storylines um constance hatchaway apparently was always in the ride she's one of the portraits in the stretching room um they just Mm. turned her into a full-fledged story when they revamped the mansion gotcha um what else um (gasps) it's the tiki lounge i get it now yeah Mm. at the beginning of the movie they're in the tiki lounge i didn't yeah. I'm just looking at the credits and it says Tiki Lounge guests and I'm like, when were they in the Oh yeah. Yeah. As soon as I saw that, I'm like, well, this is clearly the haunted tiki room. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, Brad. It's just I just had that realization. Like the light bulb no. like appeared over my head and exploded. Yeah, no, no. Um Tiki Lounge, you cheeky dogs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty much it in terms of story. Like there, there, none of the story in the movie is anywhere in the ride or has ever been, um, which is just another one of those situations where like, you know, like I've said with Resident Evil plenty of times, like you have a perfectly good story right there. 
Yeah, what's the two, point in making two it different? Perfectly good stories right there. And you decide to do something completely different. Right. Why? It doesn't make any sense. Most of the time I can be like, oh, because you know, they want to make money and they're businessmen, and they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. But you have to be like I don't know how stupid you have to be to be like, oh, you know what? Instead of this, these two stories that millions of people are in love with and come every year to ride this ride multiple times, those aren't good enough. Let's write one that sucks. Like, what's the thought process behind that? Studio executives, you know what? Leave it in the comments. If you're a studio executive, leave in the comments why the fuck you'd do something like that. Well, and again, I... This is an interesting time because this is Disney really putting a lot of their eggs into the let's build rides movies around our rides. Like we've got these very storied attractions. And again, I feel like Pirates is a really good model. Depending on who you ask, and there are definitely some theories about this online. It's never been absolutely um, uh, verified one way or another. But there is... um, the, the rumor is that the Pirates of the Caribbean movies are actually based on a script for a video game. Brett, you know which video game I'm talking about? Uh, Guy Forbrush? Forbush? Oh, uh, uh, Monkey Island. Legend yes, of Monkey Island. the Monkey Island video game. Like it was, it, and they point to different characters and different like concepts as being Curse very Monkey similar. Island, sorry. Curse, Curse of Monkey, Monkey Island. Island. Yeah. That, yeah, that one. Um, but that that a lot of those elements they basically took that the story that had been developed for that game uh for that for that video game movie adaptation and made basically refitted it into a pirates of the caribbean movie because things like ghost pirates are not in the pirates of the caribbean ride like so many of the 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 elements of that movie are not in the actual ride they've been added since but they weren't a part of the original ride. So you do kind of have to graft a story around these rides where there's nothing really there to graft a story onto, which is an unenviable task. And I can see the desire for a filmmaker to want to impose their own story on something rather than borrow from something that has never been explicitly stated as the lore. Um, I, I think is kind of their their thinking behind it whether that's right or not is up for debate but i I get that that's what they're doing i just think it's more successful with pirates of the caribbean in part because verbinski's a better filmmaker than minkoff but also because you've got you've got an established story that allegedly you're riffing off of and something that's already been created for that and you're just again switching like we talked about uh last week with the bratz movie you you kind of have this thing that's for another property and you just graft a property onto the top of it is really kind of how it works. Sure. Um, and it, that, I mean, that makes me think that like, cause I mean, even, even the two stories that I just told you about is not the same as the first original story that they wanted to go with. So right. like, and I mean, through all of them, there's a tragic story about a bride. So mm-hmm. like that really they could have asked Disney like, hey, what's the main story going on that we can build off of? And they probably just told them, oh, it's a tragic story about a bride. That's the central piece of iconography, really, is the bride. Yeah. yeah from yeah. what I from what I understand. No, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I mean the, the bride is the central character of the, the mansion. Um, you know, she comes at the end. And you mm-hmm. go through you're in the stretching room, you go through the conservatory, into the endless hallway. Uh, across the ballroom into the seance room or the other way around 
and then you go up to the attic, you fall out of the attic window down to the graveyard. So, and the bride is like the main feature near the end of the ride. So, right. you know, I think the worst part about the, the changing of the story and not making it like the ride at all is the fact that they went with the most predictable trope filled plot that they could think of. Mm-hmm. Oh, they want the lady there because guess what? She fucking looks like the dead girl. Never mm-hmm. seen that one before. Never. Not once. Oh, Alfred he said very sarcastically. Making money like, in his grave. It's like every ghost movie. It's like, oh, you look like my my dead wife, so I'm, you're going to die and be a ghost with me. That's every other ghost movie that comes out. Fuck, Bram Stoker, or uh, Francis Ford Coppola uses it in Bram Stoker's Dracula. Like, Yes. It's so overused. And to just be like, you know what? Instead of telling these intricate stories that are really fun and the fans love, let's just fucking shit out like the most basic shit and yeah. slap the Haunted Mansion name on it and theme it to the Haunted Mansion a billion dollars. Question yep. mark, profit. Yeah. yeah. See, because even talking about this, like, you you know, we're talking about how maybe they didn't know, like, you know, the stories that the fans know are not official stories, but True. like, the new Mansion seems to be following the stories just fine. Um, mm-hmm. The ghost, the main scary ghost in all the trailers is the bride is confirmed to be Constance Hatchaway. Um, the Hatbox ghost seems to be a villain right now, though, and that's a little weird. Um, so maybe there's something there we don't really know. Um, but other than that, I mean, this they seem to follow the story just fine here. The hmm. new one. So... And and I'm fine with with changing things and adaptation because, you know, obviously some things that work on a dark ride don't work cinematically, you know, so you have to change some things. But this shit with this this movie that we watch, this Haunted Mansion, Mm -hmm. it's just unexcusable. There's no fucking reason for it. Yeah. At all. It doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't really work particularly well, I don't think. Um, And it's made even worse by all of the quote unquote riffing that Eddie Murphy is doing that seems completely divorced from the fact that he's in a haunted house movie. Like it's like, he's just talking about termites, like half of his riffs are a term. Like, and I understand that's been kind of that. That's part of the reason you get Eddie Murphy. Like half, I'm sure half of the stuff he did on Mulan and Shrek was completely ad-libbed off the top of his head. He's, he's very good at that, but like, Maybe give him some direction or like, like you got to give him something to work with, in. man. Yeah. You can't just throw Eddie Murphy out there like with nothing and expect him to do something like maybe in his Saturday Night Live days. But when you're mm. talking about big budget movies like this, there's no room for that kind of shit. You got to got to give the man something. Exactly. And I mean, that was one of the biggest flaws that we picked out of our when we talked about the 2016 Ghostbusters reboot is just the fact that it felt like they're riffing without much direction. Um, and the direction that is there seems to be somewhat lacking. And I think let's talk Rob Minkoff for a little bit. Cause I think he's an interesting, cause he's an animator that segues into live action and then goes back circles back around to animation. Um, so he's a Disney animator. He you could say on- it's the circle of life. He, mm, and which is very fitting because his first <laughs> big, uh, feature film for for the Walt Disney Company is a little movie uh, which he directs alongside a guy called Roger Allers uh, called The Lion King. Ever heard of it? 
Um, Roger Allers was, I believe, the guy who tried to do the movie that would become the Emperor's New Groove. Um, he, the kingdom, the kingdom of the sun was the name of it. And it was supposed to be kind of this big budget epic thing. And then, um, it got taken away and there's actually a documentary you can find on YouTube made by Sting's wife. Uh, that is, I think it's called the, the pressure box or something like that. Um, it's really good and it's, it's on YouTube. It, I don't think there's any way to watch it legally cause it was never officially released. Disney always likes to squash it, but it'll occasionally pop up on, um, on YouTube and you can watch it and it's, it's very, very good. Um, I think that's what it's called. I'm not sure. Uh, then he goes on to direct both Stuart Little and Stuart Little Two. Yes. The M night Shyamalan written film, Stuart Little. Uh, it's called the, the sweat box, the sweat box. I knew it was something, the something box, the sweat box. Thank you. Um, then he directs the haunted mansion. After that, he directs the, the Jackie Chan jet Lee film, the forbidden kingdom. Um, which doesn't feel like he's the right guy to direct that. Um, <laughs> he directs something called Flypaper, which I have legitimately never heard of. Uh, it's a, a heist movie with Patrick Dempsey and Ashley Judd, apparently. Uh, and then, and, yeah, right. And then he goes back to animation. He does Mr. Peabody and Sherman in 2014, a uh, future episode of this podcast, and then Pause of Fury, The Legend of Hank which is just a, an animal reskin of blazing saddles. Oh, I thought it would be like, it would be like a ripoff of Kung Fu Panda just with different animals. No, uh, Mel Brooks has a writing credit on, ah. on pause of fury. <laughs> That's great. I yeah. kind of want to see it now. I've yeah. seen some of the scenes from it. There are like direct one-to-one. Yeah. Fuck yes. Yeah, versions <laughs> yeah. of some blazing. Saddles Look at this scenes. cast too. This is a good, your boy Mel Brooks is in the cast. Oh yeah. Oh Yeah. I, I do I do love me some Mel Brooks, as you well know. But yeah, so Rob Minkoff, I would not call him like a particularly like I think he's done a couple things that have been well like The Lion King is a legitimately good film. But beyond that, I, I don't have any love for the Stuart Little films. Like beyond that, I'm just kinda like, I mean, why does why does this guy get to Gore Verbinski in? Like Gore Verbinski is the guy who gave us the ring. Like, and he's the one that pirate does Pirates of the Caribbean and they give this to Rob Minkoff. Like, are they expecting Rob Minkoff to become the next big thing? Like, I don't, I, and it feels like almost all the budget goes to secure Eddie Murphy. And everything else goes into like, the, I don't the know, production design, man. They dumped a lot of money in making that shit look good, I think. And it was worth it because like mm -hmm. I said, one of the good things about this movie is the set design, art direction, production design, all look amazing. I don't know how accurate they are, but Not it looks all. fucking great. It looks yep. great. The only one that's accurate is that aforementioned portrait room walkthrough. Mm -hmm. It has the actual haunted mansion purple wallpaper and the portraits and all that. That's the that's the only one that looks remotely like the red. Well, and I know they mixed the design elements from the some of the various haunted mansions. I think particularly the ones in Disneyland and Disney World specifically. Uh, based on what I read, they kind of like mixed the design a little bit of it. It was predominantly inspired by the the one in Anaheim, but the one in Orlando, there were some design elements included there. I think specifically like the conservatory off to the side was kind of inspired. Uh, yeah, by that. the conservatory does look pretty accurate too. So, but yeah, like just again, certain design elements pretty spot on. Pretty other design elements not not so much, but. 
I have there are two other things that I I really have to talk about <clears throat> in this movie that I want to make sure I, I I point out. And since you've been silent for a half a second, I feel like I can interject with these two points. Um, <clears throat> the Jennifer Tilly of it all. Love me some Jennifer Tilly, my queen Jennifer Tilly. Mm-hmm. She's great in this, underutilized. That that's the problem. Is she she doesn't she's not given a nearly enough to do. Now, granted, she does not need this. She's got that no. Simpsons money, but like I always love it when she shows up. I do. The only thing that I didn't yeah. like is that they just took like apparently so Madame Leota in the ride is doing a seance and doing an incantation. That's why she's rhyming. Apparently mm. the people that wrote this movie thought, well, she rhymes all the time. That's her thing. No, it isn't. It's that's she's saying an incantation during a seance. That's why she's rhyming. She doesn't rhyme all the time. You just rhyme on a one time basis. Oh, yes. Brett's a poet and he doesn't even know it. Snoogans. Uh, or did I do that on purpose and I do know it? <laughs> oh. Well, if you did, you would have just rhymed purpose with something. Nah. Would he? Would I have? I would have. Oh, well. But I'm a stickler for that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, sure. Jennifer Tilly, the shit. The second thing I wanted to bring up. Oh, also, I didn't even realize she was rhyming when she spoke. I didn't realize that that was happening. Sometimes so. it was all the time. I was gonna say, so sometimes right my head. when when she does it, it's like aggressively obvious, and I found myself just going, "We don't need this. We don't need no. this." Uh, the other thing I wanted to point out was, uh, since I'm the resident credits guy, self-appointed resident credits guy. Think of that Nelly song that ended this movie. So appropriate, right? Didn't it fit the tone of this movie? Wasn't it the perfect credits song? He nope. said credits, sarcastically. When the credits started, I about rolled my eyes out of my head and shut it off. Oh my god! And yet, the worst part is that there's also the score to this movie. I think is phenomenal. I loved the score. Mm. I thought the music was great. And to go from that, especially because there's a big swelling part of the score that's really great at the end of the movie. Go to that to some fucking crackerjack beat with Nelly just randomly saying shit over it. I got nothing against Nelly, like country grammar all the way, but also the fuck out of my haunted mansion movie, man. You got no business here, no business. And again, what's it's one the of those... thought process behind that being the credit song to this movie? It feels like there's a decision no other. There's no was... other licensed songs in this movie. It's all score. Sorry, Stephen. Go ahead. No, it just. I mean, it. it the, the, all the stuff that the Dapper Dans are kind of singing. Um, but th- those are mostly traditional songs other than Grim Grinning Ghosts. Um, but yeah, all the stuff that Dapper Dan's are singing as the busts that, that uh, I don't know that how much of that you had to license, but yeah, I think the, 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 the Nelly track being over the end credits feels like one of those decisions that was like made by someone in the production. And it might've, it, it feels like an Eddie Murphy demand. I don't know if that's true. I'm just speculating wildly here. Where he's like, oh, you should put this Nelly song in the credits. Like, I, I heard this Nelly song and I really like it. Or like, oh, my daughter really likes this Nelly song. You should put it in the credits kind of a thing. Like, have you heard of this guy? Maybe he should write a song for the movie. Like, he's really big right now. It feels like one of those, like, studio decisions that's made without taking into consideration the movie that we're making. And I found it about as jarring as I find the the snap cut to Blue Moon at the end of uh, American Werewolf in, in London, which is one of my least favorite like cuts to credits in film history. Like oh, I like that one. I don't like that one. Like it takes me right out of what is should be a very poignant ending to that movie. And I'm I just think like, that's kind the- of the 
that's kind of the point. I know it's a joke. I don't like the joke is what I'm saying. Okay. No. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> that joke, that's really fair. I know. I, I know exactly what it is. I just don't like it. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's the reason that's the thing that keeps that movie from being perfect for me. Honestly. Your mileage may vary on sure. the in credits of American werewolf in London. But no, I, I don't, it's very jarring and I don't like, but it feels like a studio decision where you're like, who's big right now? Who's hot? Who can we get on this? I don't know. Nelly's the only one taking our call. Sure. Let's, let's set up a meeting. And that's really the difference because we've had plenty of other, like, you know, cut to credits, awesome, like R and B rap songs, Adam's family. Great. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. The soundtrack the Adams are too legit. Yeah, and the Ghostbusters 2 soundtrack is just fantastic. It's... Spirit. Some people hear it. Some people, Some people fear, fear it. it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Some people just won't go near it, you know? No, nah, dude. <laughs> I have two or three of those songs on my Spotify playlist right now. Like it's just... All that Bobby Brown shit is on my main playlist. <laughs> it's sure. Re- it's good. I can't help it. And the um, Run DMC remake of the Ghostbusters theme? Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> So, yeah, it's just it's a matter of like, let's let's not care about the tone. Let's just get somebody who's really popular and throw them on the throw them at the beginning of the credits. And that that happens a lot. Like, I mean, that that's kind of that was kind of a Hollywood thing around this time. Like, that's also, I think, how you get. Is it Kanye who does the Mission Impossible theme for Mission Impossible three or four? Uh, it like, was there was Metallica did one of them. Limp Bizkit no, did it for one. two, or was it Metallica for two? Limp uh, Bizkit did it for one of them. What was happening? We're all going to sleep. Oh, we're looking stuff up in real time. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, it's that uh, thing also, that we you know, do. The uh, speaking of stuff like that, uh, one of my favorite bands, the Distillers, did um, a version of the 60s Spider-Man theme for Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 2. Not related at all, but I feel like I have to fill this dead air with something so that I don't have to edit it out later. Uh, how close are you, Stephen? How close uh, are we? 96, it was U2. Um, I'm scrolling through the Wikipedia page here. Uh, oh, God. Limp Biscuit did it for 2000. So they did it for the second one. Uh, Kanye West, Kanye West did the remix for Mission Impossible Three. There it is. Okay. Word. But where you get like, so you get U two does it for the first film, you get Limp Biscuit for the second, Kanye for the third. Like that was, uh, in addition to like switching directors every movie, they would also switch artists on the theme every movie. That was kind of two of the things that that franchise was known for in the early days that they've both abandoned in later years. Well, I think they're kind of taking a cue from the Bond series where you always have a new Bond girl and a new Bond song by a popular right. artist. Yeah. And and so, yeah, but but and again, most of the times and again, with Mission Impossible, those are written directly for the film. This just feels something like something completely different. Um, it, it This feels more in line with something like the ending of a Fast and Furious movie than it does the ending of a a lighthearted family comedy about a bunch of dead people. And that just that score, man, it's so against everything the score is doing. It's just the complete opposite. It takes you right out of it. Like Mm -hmm. however, whatever level you were into this film, which for me, the production design and the score and a few of the performances, I really had a good time with overall the movie, not that great, but there are a few elements 
that kind of kept me into it. And as soon as that song hits right out of it, You're, yeah, it kind of right checks out. you right out. I agree. It's just like uh, when when the when what's her nuts in the Marvel movies, when she pushes somebody's soul out of them, like Dr. Change does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or he's all like, Baduke, and then your soul's like, Kadoosh. That was me. And that Nelly song just Kadooshed my soul out of me as I was watching the movie. Dr. Strange style. I really, I really wish all of you could have seen what Tucker just did. It was fantastic. <laughs> oh my I did a Kadoosh. Yeah, you kadooshed all right. You're kadooshing all over this episode. <laughs> That's why you hired me for my uh, kadooshing skills. Uh, I think I, I think that was maybe one of those skills we didn't know about when we hired you, actually. Uh, added bonus. It's a bonus, it? yeah. Oh, okay. Um bonus. So let me let me see. I got I got some more notes. Um so as previously mentioned, I hated Eddie Murphy's character from the get-go. Mm-hmm. Um, so by the end of it, like you, you know, immediately how this is going to end. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't feel like he earned that shit at all. Mm-hmm. No. Um, just because I mean, he gets he's... thrown out of a window, he's all of a sudden going to have a change of heart. Okay. Actively getting cucked by a ghost though. That's, <laughs> you know, they tried to Peter Pan him. They tried to Robin Williams, Peter Pan him. And it just, it doesn't eh. work. Yeah. No. He's, he's going to, and what makes him have a change of heart is the really expensive watch that he got her earlier. That oh my God. Missing their anniversary. It's so stupid. Oh it is so dumb. A thing that he got her as it was less an anniversary gift and more an apology gift because he is so consumed by work that he missed their anniversary dinner. Yeah. And is so consumed by work that it's all he fucking talks about. Mm-hmm. The entire movie. Yep. I mean, like, it's just, I mean, I don't know how many more times we can talk about how just predictable and just, just overwrought this movie is like, yeah, it's I'm, the kid it's... being afraid of spiders means he's going to have to face his big fear of spiders later. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Yeah. See, this film, I know this was way before like chat GPT or something. This film feels like it was written by AI. It kind of does. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. It, it it in that it is so formulaic and so by the by the numbers that it doesn't feel like there's any anything in it worth holding on to. And again, I have to contrast it against Pirates of the Caribbean, which is a movie that does that phenomenally well. Um, gives you you know characters and stakes and uh, an actual story that and and. En- enough there for you to hold on to and and say hey this is an actual movie whereas this just feels like a, a round of spot the reference and with you know something vaguely resembling a, a narrative kind of wrapped around it yeah absolutely i also didn't really care for the shoehorned in zombies in the mausoleum scene mm. no the, the zombies did look cool though i'm just saying they, did they look, look pretty really good cool. but like uh, not really I feel like that was there just so they could get the reference of the skeleton hand opening the coffin. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's the only reason it was there. I it just seems like I don't know really why. Speaking right, right about ghosts, not anything else. But anyway, speaking of the special effects, I thought while not very good, I thought they fit the film very well because it was kind of a film geared towards kids and stuff. And I thought the, the CGI was very cartoonish in nature, mm-hmm. and I appreciated that for the tone of the film. And uh, again, like I said, I really enjoyed the 
the presentation of the ghost because it, it was just the Frighteners, except they were blue instead of like sort of dirty green. Right. And you can tell yeah. it's a kid's movie because there are two kid characters that are shoehorned in that serve absolutely no narrative purpose whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah, except for being afraid of spiders. And let me tell you, I don't like to say bad things about child actors because they're child actors. And most of the time, it wasn't their idea to be there anyway. Correct. Boy, these kids sucked. Like, is, real, is it, real bad. Not that they had anything to work with, but boy, say, really ooh, just, just toilet performances in this movie. Oh, I mean, look, Golly. Uh, the woman that plays Eddie Murphy's bride, though, she's not giving a performance. There's just nothing there. Was that yeah. me? She's just no. like, just nothing. She would be great in a in a reboot of Mannequin. Yeah, she she was not great. Um, <laughs> it, she, that actress's name is Marsha Thomason. Uh, and she let me look up her. I think this is like one of the biggest things that she has done. Uh, she was in 69 episodes of the television show, white collar. Um, nice. She, she played Naomi in lost 12 episodes of lost. Um, but yeah, a lot of, a lot of TV. It looks like I'm looking through her, her filmography here. A lot of TV. Um, usually kind of some, some smaller arcs on a lot of these shows, but uh, yeah, is a, is a voice, uh, the voice of Diana in uh, Hitman Absolution. So there you go. Cool. But yeah, yeah, just, I mean, just kind of a, a TV actress is probably her biggest movie ever. And uh, she doesn't do much here to really, uh, there's not a lot of presence in this performance. I'm sorry it to looks say. Like, it looks like she was uh, Greta in the Netflix Castlevania, Castlevania as well, which I recommend to anyone, even if you're not a fan of the games. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. Uh, so she's got some voice credits, got some TV credits, but I think this looks like maybe not her first movie, but definitely her biggest movie. And that is in her entire career. But yeah, based on, based on this, I guess she kind of. That's what I know her from is Black Knight. I have a soft spot for, for nineties and early two thousands, Eddie Murphy vehicles or not Eddie Murphy of uh, Martin Lawrence. Lawrence vehicles, stuff like blue streak. And Black mm-hmm. Knight, and I know they're terrible, but there's I just I can't get enough of them. And I knew I knew her from something, and she's yeah, she's the chambermaid in Black Knight. Okay, well, there you go. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure she does a better performance in those other films, but not she here. She does because she's just a caricature of a character in that movie instead of just being a blank slate like she is in this film. Well, and again, it's an it's a very unenviable role. It's a thankless role. Not only are you playing the nagging wife character, but then you also have to play the like object of desire for this ghost. And it's neither one of those are particularly like juicy, meaty roles. There's not a lot of meat on the bone here. So she's not given a lot to do, but then she's also given some relatively probably poor direction on from Minkoff. And then she's constantly having to put up with like Eddie Murphy and, and probably his kind of star antics on set. Like there's not a lot that she has to do here. And it's really frustrating that, you know, she doesn't really bring it because there's nothing really to bring. Like, I, I, I wish I could fault her and say like, Oh, she's terrible here, but I don't, really think she has any other choice like this is a nothing character a nothing role and she's doing the best she can with it 
Yeah, I mean, I definitely wouldn't blame her for it. Just, you know, it was very noticeable amongst mm-hmm. the cast of, human cast of mm-hmm. not so great actors. Um, mm-hmm. Pretty stark contrast. Um, yeah. Well, it's, it's funny though. Can you call it a nagging wife character if she has a justifiable reason to be nagging him? I mean, everybody in America hated uh, Anna Gunn's character in Breaking Bad, even though she was the only character with an actual, you know, human motivation that made sense. John, so, she was the person I related to the most. And that show was so frustrating because of that. Yeah. And I was like, this poor woman, mm-hmm. this poor woman, everybody else is like, Skylar sucks. And I'm like, how? Are we yeah. watching the same show? Oh, she's such a nag. And like, everyone's like, no, <laughs> no. That's, she's, she's, she makes sense. Though. She's so, reasonable. Like she's not completely insane and psychotic. So the world at large would tell you, yes, Brett. Yes, you can. Jeez Louise. Man, that's, that's real fucking upsetting. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, hey, su- welcome to America. <laughs> not surprised, but upsetting it nonetheless. Um, mm-hmm. Oh boy. Uh, my next note. So I had a question. Uh, the end. I have a lot of questions. Um, the first one. So, did all nine hundred ninety nine ghosts go to heaven at the end? That's the assumption, I guess we can make, given all those little ghost balls are floating toward the sky. Okay, if that's the case, then why didn't Madame Leota and the the singing busts? Because they were packed in the car already. <laughs> no, no, those spirits left as soon as the other ones did. Before, because when did that happen? Because like everybody in the car is dressed in different clothes, Brett, no, and it looks like they don't, went. Honey, don't like, ask why, questions. Why are they taking Madame Leota and the bus on a road trip? Did they go back home and decide to save to save our favorite characters for the sequel? That's why. So the next movie can happen. There's your answer. There's the right. answer I didn't think hey. about. Uh, yeah, you're right. I did like the after credits scene though with Jennifer Tilly. That was pretty that cool. Was pretty cool. I didn't basically, watch it because I turned the credits off. What happened? Basically, I think oh. doing the incantation from the ride. I would assume. Yeah, uh, dude. Okay. She was she nailed it too. She was really hamming it up. It was great. Well shit. I guess I should go look that up. Um but yeah. No, I think that's that's all of my notes with the exception of um to, to bring it to to um when when this episode releases this week. Um Disney really, really fucks shit up sometimes. Um, sometimes, yeah. Sometimes, mm-hmm. well, yeah, no, especially, especially lately. Um, mm. we, we we won't talk about the the strike or anything. Um, yeah. Bob, Bob, Bob Iger. Really, we talked really... about this enough yesterday. We went on a big long rant about it. Yeah. Okay. See last week's episode on Bratz for for that. Cool. Um, but uh, sometimes they get their asses saved in ways they didn't intend. Um, so I, I, I have to mention Hocus Pocus. Um, mm. That movie that has become a quintessential Halloween movie mm-hmm. um, also released in March. Um, <laughs> and it bombed yeah. real bad because mm-hmm. they released a fucking Halloween movie in, March. in the spring slash summer. Yeah. Um, luckily, and honestly, up until a couple of years ago, would have been eligible for covering on this podcast. Yeah, but luckily, thanks to, you know, video and home video and, you know, streaming and whatever sales after the fact, mm-hmm. um, later, obviously, they weren't streaming in the 90s, um, it became the quintessential Halloween movie we all know and love. Right. Otherwise, that movie would have disappeared and we would have talked about it on this podcast. 
like uh was it that uh that movie that everyone discovered once disney plus finally came was it mr Uggity? was that the i think so what the fuck are you talking about steven research shit in real time while i keep talking um (laughs) so they're doing it again with the haunted mansion movie they're releasing a movie that should absolutely have been released in fucking october september at the earliest Mm -hmm. um in 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 july summer blockbuster season the middle of summer it's july which is why Um, we have this weird spooky thon episode in the middle of when the middle of july or i guess the end of july but yeah at least we've gotten it over with so we can focus Mm -hmm. on like more important stuff for spooky thon yeah yeah i wouldn't have this this would not have been on the list for spooky thon for a couple more years at least like the much anticipated i'm sorry brett go ahead Hmm. No, you're fine. I don't even remember what I was going to say now. Okay, I was going to say, uh, including the much-anticipated uh, Patreon unenfranchised of The Rage Carry 2. Uh, <laughs> everybody's clamoring for this one. It's all over the comments. People are like, when are we going to get that Rage Carry 2? You guys, it's coming in October. Don't worry. We're going to get to it. I know everybody is, just is highly anticipating. Tucker reading his own comments, because he's the only one asking for it, but he's... So loud and persistent, we kind of don't have much of a chance. And handsome. I don't put words in my mouth. I didn't say that. <laughs> you don't I have do. to. Your your, your eyes say it all, Stephen. Mm. <laughs> so did you find what you were looking for? Or what? I have I have no uh, Mr. Boogity is what it's called. Oh, all right. oh is that isn't that the bad guy from Nightmare Before Christmas? Well, that's Oogie Boogie. Oogie Boogie. Yeah, there you go. Gotcha. Okay. No, Mr. Bo- Mr. Boogity was apparently a, a wonderful, a magical world of Disney episode. Um, and uh, yeah, it was a made for TV horror movie for kids, basically. And uh, yeah, into checking that out. Uh, oh, yeah. It's uh, you just check out. Uh, check out Disney Plus and it's probably it's- still on there. That was a staple of my childhood was watching the colorful world, the wonderful world, the magical world, whatever it was called at the time of Walt Disney on Sunday nights on ABC. Yeah, and we were a, we, we were a fancy household and actually had the Disney Channel when it was a paid channel. Oh, oh shit, Brett. So Damn. I got to see the cool Halloween shit, That's... like Legend, Legend of Sleepy Hollow. And they did this you know thing. What? It was like a because music videos were a big thing at the time, so they, they would play spooky-ish songs and play related Disney cartoons behind them. Um, it was pretty good. You know, though, Brett, you know, I guess maybe your parents gave you a choice. They were like, okay, Brett, you can either have the Disney Channel for the rest of your life or go to Disney World once. And you were like, Disney Channel all the way, guys. Mm. Or memory unlocked? Yeah, you're welcome. No, I was, I was a pretty smart kid, so I probably, because I, look, I didn't, I found the Haunted Mansion later. I didn't know really about, the, well, I mean, I knew of the Haunted Mansion, but I didn't like, I didn't become obsessed with it until later. Right, um, that tracks. So I probably would have said Disney Channel, because. Yeah, like I say. Yeah. Because really I all I knew. Your childhood. Because again, like, I don't know, I found a lot of the stuff. As a kid, I was not as obsessive about things as I got when, like, into my twenties and early thirties. Um, a lot of the things I love and are obsessed with, I really got into 
later in life. Mm. Um, you know, with the exception of a couple things like Ghostbusters, I was always obsessed with Ghostbusters. I was going to say, um, yeah, Ghostbusters is kind of a core, core oh, obsession yeah. for you. Yeah. Yeah. It's a canon event, if you will. Um, <laughs> all Brett's across all multiverses experience a love for the Ghostbusters at an early age. And yeah. if they don't, that universe just dies. Actually, we know yeah. that not to be true. Because there is yeah. there is at least one world one universe that we've crossed over with a couple of times where where that Brett is not aware of Ghostbusters. So yeah, that yeah. that universe is gone at this point. It has crumbled into oblivion. It potentially has. We haven't heard from them for a while. That's so. true. We've not. We did, we usually because, hear from them around April, and we didn't hear anything from them this past that's year because we neglected the canon event in that in that universe. So now it's got it's got to go got to the point to where there's no way you're ever going to be a ghostbusters fan in that universe so the universe just unraveled like mr fantastic and multiverse of madness yeah shame Shame, really oh everybody's seen it by now it's sam raimi and it's mcu so you should have seen it by now the last mcu movie i saw in theaters maybe the last one i will ever see in theaters i wish i would have seen that at the movie theater just for the sam raimi of it all honestly it's also like a year and a half old now yeah, I'm, look, man. People get bitchy when you spoil like mo- like classic movies from like the '40s online. Like people are dumb. Well, there's a difference between you know revealing one death or one plot point and completely spoiling the movie. And I agree. If even if it's an old movie and you just come out with like, oh, spoilers for Sixth Sense. Oh, it's he's Bruce Willis the whole time. You know, uh, like if you just come out and say that. Like, that's not cool, man. Which reminds me, if we want to talk about one fucking thing that is, uh, like, we talk about how trite this fucking movie is. Yeah. They have like, to shoehorn in the I, that I see dead people line in this yes, fucking what movie. The fu- what the that's, fuck? And there's not even, a, like, a follow-up or, like, a joke after it. Like, that is the there's joke. There's no reason for that's it. The it's joke. just we're, we're referencing The Sixth Sense, a movie that came out four years earlier. That is the joke. Where they they briefly do a a crossover with the scary movie franchise and just like randomly say some shit. Yeah. Hey, dad. Yes, son. I see dead people. Boom. It just sits there. Nothing else. Like a fucking lead balloon. It doesn't even sit there. It cuts directly to something else. They don't even let it sit for a second. They're just like, oh, you're right. We fucked up. Cut to something else. Sorry. We're leaving it in, but also sorry. God. We know this meme is old already, but we're going to do it anyway. Right. Already, yeah. Ugh, I, 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 I hate I'm I surprised hate there wasn't any bullet time in this movie. Oh, my God. Do you know no. what I mean? It seemed like the right time for it. Honestly, oh me too. No, I'm surprised <laughs> I wasn't in there either. Oh, my God. That's such a, I hate that so much. I'm um, sure there's a deleted scene somewhere of like one of the ghosts doing bullet time, you know. The Haunted Mansion the was released a, a, a Halloween movie released just in time for Thanksgiving, November twenty sixth, two thousand and three. Now hold on, Stephen. I oh. believe. Oh no! I haven't looked it up until just now, but I'm pretty sure I have a memory because I'm pretty. I'm pretty I... sure you're right. I'm also we we missed you last week because there definitely were Bratz video games, and we did not have you oh. here to talk about them. Oh God, I wouldn't have wanted to. Um, but you would have had to because that's yeah, the job. I know. I know. Thank God I missed it. Um, <laughs> I mean, oh, no, that sucks. 
Can I, before you start, can I, can I guess what platforms this Haunted Mansion game was on? Uh, 2003, have... let me guess. Let me guess. You ready? All right. Is it 2003 or 2007? 2003. I'm thinking of Bratz. Bratz was 2007, yeah. That that game was the DS. The Haunted Mansion comes out on PlayStation 2 and Game Boy Advance. Uh, You got PlayStation 2 correct and Game Boy Advance correct. Were there more platforms? There were. There were two other platforms. Xbox and GameCube, probably. Correct. Well hey. done, sir. Thank you, thank you, thank you. What do I win? Nothing. Okay. Um, now, what's funny, though, is the game is not based on the movie. It comes out the well, same why year. Why are we talking about it? Oh. Well, because, I mean, it's... It's, it's, it's clearly funny. a tie-in. It's, well, and it's also, it's a video game from the franchise. We do right. this all the time. It doesn't have to be That's based not... on the movie specifically. Um, otherwise, I wouldn't have done that entire video game corner episode of... Um, on Resident Evil, or the um, Hulk one, or the Hulk one, for that matter, yeah, or that, the Muppets that one, that or Hitman, or Hitman, he wrecked. Um, but this one seems like, uh, um, I don't know, man. It's it's got a really convoluted story that doesn't seem to have anything to do with the ride, as usual. Um, and it seems to be one of those like top down. Like cartoony, real like I don't know how to describe these kinds of games. Like action adventure, if that makes sense, Tucker, you might know what I'm talking about. Are um, there like a uh, just a shit ton of enemies? Is it kind of like Gauntlet? No, it's, uh, I mean there's collectibles. Uh, um, yeah, kind of like kind of like Gauntlet but not a whole lot of enemies. It has that same sort of look and style, mm-hmm. but not a whole lot of enemies. Kind of um, kind of a dungeon crawler, sort of. Kind of, yeah. At least from, from what I can see from the screenshots here. Um, yeah, it, I mean, it's, it's very cartoony. Um, there's giant spiders. There's, there's, you know, your usual run of the mill. There's pirate ghosts and... A Grim Reaper monster. I don't know. This, this doesn't. This looks very early two thousands Nintendo game. Well, there you go. It uh, doesn't look good. There's probably a reason I never heard of it until just now. But that surprisingly is the only Haunted Mansion video game. Good. Yeah, honestly, yeah, I would agree with you. Um, good. That's fine. We don't need any. Uh, I think an open world game where you have to explore the mansion would be fun. Um, yeah, I mean, especially one that has um, you know, how they um, access the multiverse is called the endless stairway, um, and you, you, you the different stairways take you to different mansions all across the multiverse. Nice. I so. say, I submit that we reskin the first Resident Evil game as a haunted mansion game. Let's do that. I don't know about yeah. a reskin, but close. We could probably do that. Yeah, that wouldn't be bad. Yeah. 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 Uh, so Haunted Mansion opens just in time for Thanksgiving, Wednesday, November 26th. And across the five-day weekend, it earns about $34 million, which is enough to put it in 
second place that weekend. And this top five is a who's who of past episodes of this show. This is my um, favorite part. We have covered a few of these. Uh, the first one is one that we covered earlier this year. It's in its second week of release. Uh, it is the only movie I covered. I think we've covered that was directed by a one-time uh, art director, or I guess he still is an art director. He went back to it because directing didn't pan out. Starring a adaptation of a book, starring a comedian in a role that he was very poorly suited for. Based well, on, on a children's it. book. It is Dr. Seuss's The Cat oh. in the Hat. Uh, the Gato in the Hato, yeah. Yes, very terrible film. This, of course, opens second to that. Uh, it earns, like I said, $34 million on its way to a $75.8 million domestic gross. So not a good multiplier. Uh, in its second weekend, it goes from second place uh, down to third. The week after that, it's down to fifth. Like it just starts plummeting like a stone. Uh, in third place, another movie we've covered on this podcast a couple years ago, big Christmas film. Uh, it's been in theaters for four weeks already and has already earned $129 million, but somehow magically did not get a sequel because the star didn't want it. It is, of course... Will Ferrell's Elf. Uh, which was written by the writer of this movie. Oh, geez. Okay. Well, there you go. This guy was burning up the box office in 2003. Uh, he's only written Elf, Haunted Mansion, Zoom, and the Spiderwick Chronicles. And after 2008, he just hasn't really done anything. We Something can called cover, Strange Magic. We can cover literally all of those on this podcast. <laughs> uh, that is yeah. fucking wild. Um in fourth place, a little movie called Gothica, um, one of Halle yeah. Berry's uh, Oscar follow-ups there. And then in fourth or fifth place, uh, it's been out for three weeks. Um, it was at four the week before. Uh, it's on its way to being an Oscar player, uh, starring Russell Crowe and the patron saint of this podcast, Mr. Paul Bettany. It is Master and Commander, colon, The Far Side of the R World, a movie that fucking rules. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Uh, I thought it was called Boring, 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 Who Cares, Boring. It's Man. a boat movie, Steven. Yeah, it's a fucking good boat movie. We don't like I boat movies of this of this podcast. We're I, I, on, on the whole, yes, I agree. Um, unless it's <laughs> unless it's Jaws or uh, Master and Commander. There's always um, exceptions, and I've never seen Master and Commanders. So you're just talking out of your ass right now. Why? Yeah, I thought this, this would indicate you'd see it. It's a boat. Boat, Why don't you boat, see it? Movie, you just boat, said there's exceptions. Boat, movie, boat, movie. Because he, oh, well, would rather, guys he, have... he would rather revel in his ignorance. Uh, no, I was just going to say, since you guys have said that it's a really good boat movie, then you know I might check it out. It's definitely not at the top of my priority list, but before it wasn't even on my list, so we're getting there. That's a win. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. Rounding out the top ten, we do have Bad Santa, The Missing, Ooh. Timeline, right. Love Actually, and disney's brother bear you guys are doing yourselves a disservice if you're not watching bad santa at least three times every december i've never it's seen one bad of, santa that's too fucking bad steven and i really f wish that we could do it on the main feed but they made a really shitty sequel to it yeah badder santa but the first film is one of billy bob thornton's best performances i think right. one of it's up there with sling blade and a simple plan 
and uh, um, homeboy from uh, Man Who Knew Too Much. Man Who Knew Too, you know, the man who, yeah. the Coen Brothers movie that I like that's my favorite, but yeah. now I can't remember what the fuck it's called. It's, it's okay. Um, the Man Who Wasn't There. There you go. Um, Haunted Mansion again goes on to make 75.8 million domestic, another 79.9 international for a total of about 155.8 million worldwide. Decent, but not enough. I mean, the production budget was 90 million, and usually you want to try to at least coop that in uh, domestic at least before you try to make a sequel. And it didn't hit those numbers because that doesn't take into account uh, any advertising done for the film. And and this was this heavily promoted. A very heavily, heavily promoted. promoted. Movie. You had yeah. happy meals. You had commercials. You had merchandise. Comic like book before the movie even came ads. out. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, this movie was fucking everywhere. Uh, for all the good that it did, it kind of opened to a wet fart and kept dropping. Um, it gets a fourteen percent tomatometer score. Uh, the critics' consensus, neither scary nor funny. The Haunted Mansion is as lifeless as the ghosts in the movie. Uh, the Metascore is a 34, generally unfavorable reviews from 34 critics. And the letterbox score is a 2.6. Brett, out of five stars, how many are you bestowing upon 2003's The Haunted Mansion? One and a half. One and a half for Brett Tucker. What about you? Well, I will give it one star for Terrence Stamp, Nathaniel Parker, and Jennifer Tilly, and everybody else who showed up for this movie, and another star for the score and the production design. So right. two stars. I also give it two stars. So that is... Because at least it's not Bratz. I mean, it, I was... The fact that I had <laughs> just seen Bratz literally hours before, I'm sure had had something to do with it but yeah um Yo, and had just Bratz finished makes talking this about looks like like the godfather part two man it like kind of does yeah <laughs> like Bratz is real 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 bad um but hey at least it's not Bratz. like this yeah. actually looks like a movie that got released in theaters whereas Bratz looked like a made for tv movie that someone decided needed a theatrical release yikes yes, indeed yeah is is real bad uh, but that is our episode on 2003's The Haunted Mansion. And um, yeah, it's been it's been fun. We've had a good time. Um, you can find us on all your social media platforms. We are on uh, Instagram, Letterboxd, Facebook, Twitter for now, and Threads uh, at DisenfranchPod. You can find us... Um, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, but if you're on Apple podcasts or Spotify, please consider giving us a five-star rating and review. That really does help go a long way to helping other people find this podcast as well. And if you particularly enjoyed this, share it with some of your other friends who might also enjoy the haunted mansion or it's affiliated lore, or just want to get mad listening to us talk about it. I don't know if you like this movie, if you don't like this movie, tell everybody else about this podcast. Um, and then they can hear us talk about it and you have their own opinions, I guess. Um, hate, hate listen is still a listen. It's still a download and we like those. Thank you. Um, you can shoot us an email, disenfranchpod at gmail.com. Let us know what you think. Introduce yourself. Say hi. Let us know what failed franchise starters you would like to see us cover in the back half of this year. Because uh, we've actually got some some stuff opening up after uh, 
after September. We've got a, pretty much a wide playing field after September. So let us know what you want to hear us talk about, and we might talk about some of it. Who knows? Um, I'm your host, Stephen Foxworthy. You can find me on Instagram, Letterboxd, uh, Twitter for now, Threads, and now Blue Sky at Chewy Walrus. Brett, where can we find you on social medias? Uh, just Instagram and Letterboxd at sus underscore warlock. And Tucker? So when you sign on to Blue Sky, do you just constantly have the ELO song Mr. Blue Sky playing in your head? Because I would. Like every time I logged in, I'd be like, bum, 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 like getting all hyped. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> about half the time, I would say. Yeah. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Uh, I'm on YouTube at Ice909, I C E N I N E, the number zero and the number nine. Uh, I will again state my intentions to continue the preservation project just so i remember to do it when i have time that's coming soon hopefully um also um me and the team at tuck mugs would really like you to come check that out at uh, tuck underscore mugs on instagram i love that we're keeping this bit i love that this all the bit staff, is surviving uh, every, everybody you know everybody on the staff I like to thank all of them everybody really pulls their weight and makes tuck mugs just just a really really cool and unique thing on the insta scams so thank you, Tuck Mugs staff and crew, <laughs> everybody working behind the scenes <laughs> to really make this thing happen. Like Takes thank a village, you. you know. Yeah, it really, really does. It really does. Hard. Hey, I resent Dedication. that. <laughs> and also, um, we're we're still looking for guest mugs. I've already, you know, I've already I've already got guest mugs from the two guys that pretty much had to do it. Right. So come on, guys. And you know, we've gotten a lot of people that are of people that enjoy this podcast that have subscribed to Tuck Mugs. So, hey, you people who have done that, email us with a picture of your mug, uh, the story behind it, and what is in it, and we will put it on Tuck Mugs. Go ahead and send that to disenfranchpod at gmail.com because Tuck Mugs is a subsidiary of Disenfranchised. So it all, uh, it all funnels the, into the same place. The Venn diagram uh, overlaps. Some with the same staff, some of the same staff, and the podcast works for the Insta Scam page as well. Right, right. In fact, it's the same. It's the, we 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 hired out the same company that does the uh, social media for this podcast, actually. So yes, yeah. It, it's all it's all coming from the same place, and we yeah. It, it <laughs> what a bit. What a fucking bit. Um, yes. But that is our episode on 2003's uh, Haunted Mansion. Uh, I am uh, your host, Stephen Foxworthy, from my co-hosts, Brett Wright and Tucker. Until next time. Hurry back. Hurry back. Be sure to bring your death certificate. <laughs>